Welcome to El Cafecito, the podcast for the Latin American Studies program at the Spanish and Portuguese Department at U of T. My name is Ana Carneiro, and I'll be your host for Season 5, House Blend. For Episode 2, we'll be talking with two members of our undergraduate community, Andrea Cáceres and Boyuan Dong. Andrea is a fourth-year student from Mexico and Peru, and Boyuan is a recent grad from China, and he completed a specialist program in Spanish. We had a great chat about our undergrad experience and our time as immigrants in Toronto. This episode was recorded on July 11, 2022, at the Roberts Commons at the St. George campus. If you'd like to participate in our podcast or give us some feedback, the link will be in the description of the episode. We'll also provide links for all the recommendations brought by our guests to the show. Hope you enjoy! Cheers! Thank you for being here today. Uh, so just as a starter, as an icebreaker, I was wondering how did you guys end up in Toronto or U of T? Because like myself, you two are also international students, right? So how did you find yourself here? That is a great question uh, that I continue to ask myself even <laughs> the day of today. Uh, to be honest, as you've heard, I, I'm doing a double major in Human Geography and Diaspora and Transnational Studies, which are very unique programs, and uh, they're actually uh, degrees that you cannot find in Peru. I knew that I wanted to study geography specifically, uh, and within the options on your universities available in my city, in Peru, uh, which is the capital city, there were very few programs in geography, and they were almost all focused on physical geography, and I'm much more interested in human geography, so development of countries, cultures, societies, and the University of Toronto, and specifically Canada, has a great programs in, in geography, so I, I did my best to apply, and I was really happy to end up here. Yeah, that's quite similar to myself too. I wanted to study international relations. I knew I had to go abroad at some point, and here I am. What about you? What do you want? Um, fortunately, I graduated from University of Toronto smoothly, and I'm now pursuing my graduate studies in, in Stanford University in a program called uh, Iberia and Latin American Cultures. And what I found is that um, I really love the program here offered in University of Toronto about Latin American studies and Spanish because uh, the course here uh, is a little bit different from what we taught in China. In China, these two programs, especially Spanish, uh, focus uh, more intensively on vocabulary and grammar. But here, we, we, we do it more like I, I, I would say personally, and um, we we would learn more about culture, about music, um, gastronomy, and anything about the region here. So that's why I would say it's nice to have study here in the University of Toronto. Yeah, wow! I can only imagine, and especially because your native tongue is not even English. Latin. It, uh, yeah. Not English, but also like not from the same family as Spanish, right? Because my native tongue is Portuguese, so it's easier for me to learn Spanish, but it's still hard. So I can only imagine learning it from a different 
family of languages. Very impressive. Um, and yeah, I guess language can be a barrier for us in so many different ways. But what about you, Andrea? What's a challenge you're proud of overcoming? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into a similar lines around language. I, I think that when I started university, I was not very comfortable about my accent. And I remember this one specific example in one of my first year seminar courses. I had to do a video and a voiceover within a video talking about a global issue. And I decided to not, to not record myself. And I just put subtitles so people could read them because I was so subconscious about my accent. And I, I, I think about how last month I was able to go to the governing council and do a presentation in person. And I think that is kind of a closure and a full circle in which I can say that I have overcome a challenge, but it was very difficult for me during my first years, especially because as well, English is not my first language. But now I'm just so proud that I even took the challenge of coming into a country that speaks a completely different language and is also very different than what, what I'm used to. Yeah, no, I relate to that so much. I was very fortunate to find professors who also had accents in my first year, and that made me a little more comfortable having an accent. Uh, but like <laughs> before starting U of T, I was living in the US and I tried to hide my accent so hard because it was during Trump. But anyways, that's also a huge accomplishment to come from not being able to record yourself to doing a whole presentation live in front of the governing council. Yeah, well, I'm without words. <laughs> um, so you mentioned before, Andrea, that you started an NGO, is that right? How, how did you find that opportunity and did you find any other opportunities off campus during your undergrad? Yeah, so um, my NGO, I, I was very grateful to found out of nowhere, to be honest, uh, one great program that is called the Manguan program from the Bank School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. But as I said, when I applied to U of T in Canada, I, I wasn't really sure about how universities work here. And I didn't really understand anything about like first year programs or first year courses. So I just looking around in the website, I found this program that is called the Man One program. And I was fortunate enough to apply because I know that there's so many people that do not find these first years of opportunities, especially if you're an international student. But through that program, I was able to get funding to create my own NGO. And similar to that program, which is basically this program helps you to translate your academic knowledge through research into social impact. That's why I was able to create my NGO. But I found other great opportunities within research, which I think is one of the great characteristics of our university. So from Manc One, I've also done research opportunity programs within my, my, uh, within my courses. I've done research around mining and lithium in, in Latin America, which I'm very proud about as well. And I'm right now doing research to help um, small family businesses in the region of Tequila, Mexico, uh, which is also great. Uh, if you listen to the first episode and you're wondering if this is the same research I did with Professor Kingsbury, yes, it is. Andrea did it the year after I did it. And that's actually how we met each other. <laughs> so full circle. Full circle. 
Um, so what is your NGO called and what does it do? Yeah, so my NGO is called the Our Project. We are an organization that is based in Peru and we implement a sustainable and innovative solutions to reduce water scarcity in the most vulnerable communities around the world. Uh, we have implemented a pilot project in the community of San Juan de Huancoy, Peru. Uh, we made a construction of 15 fog catchers, which, is, which are fog harvesting technology, which condensates water molecules in the air, and they create a new alternative, an autonomous and sustainable source of water in communities. And uh, as we have, uh, that pilot was about eight months, we were able to collect more than 80 liters of water a day. And that water was used for the community, uh, for agricultural land, and different purposes that they decided to give it. And right now we're creating a shift. Well, it is important that we implement solutions. I think education is a key to understand why there is water scarcity. So we are uh, just inviting new volunteers and we are kind of uh, targeting uh, a new project that is called Water Voices Around the World, where we want to create a collection of stories to understand that water is not just about economics. It is also about culture, spirituality, relationship, community. So that's basically what the Our Project is, and we're hoping to be in the future as well. You know, every time you tell me about your project, I get the same initial reaction of being just awestruck. Like, it's so amazing that you're able to do all that while still in undergrad. And it really inspires me to try and do something, you know, with my own hands. And, you know, it's the old saying, if not now, when? If not me, who? But, exactly. you know, it always gets pushed down the to-do list. But, you know, I have hope that I'll be able to contribute someday. And what about you, Buyan? Uh Do you have any off-campus experiences that were memorable, that you really enjoyed or really helped your, your career development? And how did you find them? Um, I would say um, I could feel what Andrea has experienced in her university life. That when I first entered uh, UFT, I know nothing about such research opportunities and other programs other than my own courses. But gradually, I found uh, that our department has offered many opportunities about research. For example, I had a chance to have a work-study program with Professor Sandamunjic about the letters and arms in golden age of Spanish literature. And I have also heard about Kingsbury's research on the Lysium Triangle, right? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. It's and, popular. <laughs> yeah. They have also offered a research scholarship for the students whose, uh, whose purpose to having um, a research in Latin America for the summer. And they give them scholarship, I, I know that. And when I was taking the courses, also some of my professors would give an uh, opportunity to work or doing the, some research with the uh, consulate or embassy of oh, Chile. Wow. I thought there is, there is a research opportunity in the embassy of Chile in Toronto. Yeah. They offered, yeah, uh, um, a job, I would say, yeah. And after that, uh, well, I'm now pursuing my graduate studies. I have opened um, a business, a corporation with my uh, partners, 
about uh, sending Chinese international students here and in the United States to Mexico, Cuba, Costa Rica, Belize, and basically all the Central American region for vacation. So we are organizing tours, especially uh, in Semana Santa, and oh. also Dia de los Muertos, the day after that. We are doing many charter tours to promote the tourism in Mexico and uh, Cuba, like that. Wow, that's also very impressive. What's your your company called? Um, my company called Oaktree, because oak is um, similar has similar meaning with acorn, because mm. it is an oak tree. Uh, it's an oak tree, right? And I think all of my partners are graduates from University of Toronto. Oh, I see. And whose symbol is an oak tree. So I, we, we named our company with Optrip that we are all graduating from University of Toronto. We are the acorns and we start our journey to the world. Oh, very special. That's such a nice name. So thoughtful. And it sounds like the students will have a lot of fun traveling during that time. Man, I wish I spoke Spanish right now. I took one course, but I forgot everything already. I'm sure if I practice enough, I can get it back, right? I'm sure, yeah. 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 <laughs> Dali. Dali. <laughs> uh, and I also heard you had plans to go to Buenos Aires. Is that correct? I read your profile in the department webpage. Um, yeah, when I was having uh, the undergrad courses in, in these four years, each summer I would spend uh, one month or two and studying Spanish award. In my first year, I went to Veracruz uh, and Jalapa in Mexico and studied for one month and a half. And the second summer, I went to, to Medellin in Colombia. Yeah, right. And after, yeah, we traveling. And after I graduate, I would say maybe in August, I went to Buenos Aires. There is a course, uh, like a program, that's teaching Spanish for foreign speakers in University of Buenos Aires. And I would spend there for about three weeks or four. That's awesome. Wow. That sounds great. I should look into that. I've been to Buenos Aires once, and I went in the worst time possible because it was New Year's. Everything was closed. Oh, no. I didn't get to see a single no. museum. A single. I only got to go to restaurants, but it was still very pretty. Um, yeah. But anyways, now it's time for the funniest story or memory that you have, either from Latin America or from immigrating to Canada. And this could be a lost in translation moment or a cultural blunder. Up to you. I'm going to start with Andrea because you haven't sp spoken in a while. I mean, uh, one specific story, I I'm not sure, but I feel that I live in continuous confusion. <laughs> uh, especially as, an, as a migrant. Um, I don't know, I found it very hard to get uh, the, uh, the sense of humor of different cultures. Oh, so yeah. what happens to me is, uh, for example, if we're in class and the professor says something that it is funny in, in the Canadian context, I never get it. So I just laugh 
to join everyone in, in the laughing crowd, right? But I've really been in situations where even I say something that for me is very normal and people start laughing at me and I'm like, oh my God, what did I say? And so that's kind of one thing that I continue to face. And at the beginning, I really felt so bad not understanding anything. But I just need to go with the flow. And um, it's, it's just a continuous challenge that I get. I feel that sometimes my expressions and the way I speak and because I'm always dancing and that's how I normally am within my own culture and that's very normal. Here it's not as normal so uh, people can stare at me laugh and you know it's, it's just uh, we're used to different things uh, and I'm just happy that I can make someone laugh <laughs> very lightly yeah. and I'm just gonna join every laugh that I'm here even if I don't understand anything so that's kind of one of the main things that, that I continue to face in my everyday as a migrant. Yeah. You know, I had a similar problem with, like, references to TV shows that never aired in my country. But instead of going with the flow, I would always ask questions and ask people to explain the reference, and they would get annoyed at me. Especially if there were, like, really... I don't want to say the W word, but, you know, the... It happens, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, that, that's so <laughs> funny. What about you, Puyan? Um, I want to talk about a um, cultural shock that I have experienced in my uh, travel to Latin America. When I was uh, three years ago, when I was having lunch in Lago Atitlan, Lake Atitlan in, in Guatemala, and I, would, I was in a restaurant and there is a family sitting behind me when they were starting at me all the time. And after they were having their lunch, and one of their child, uh, or it's a boy, around seven or eight years old, and he he came, he came to me and gave me a mango, and he asked me, um, does is your mango in China? And I was really shocked by this question because he 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 would not know that like the the fruit like mango is quite common everywhere in the world. And yeah, I would say it is a really big gap between the conscious and the knowledge across different parts of the world. And yeah, that question makes me think for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but thanks to the communication and social media, such problems are now much better than before, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of fruits originally came from the East to the Americas, right? I think banana and coconuts are both like from the Indian continent and they were brought by the Portuguese or something. And now we associate bananas with Central America. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, so speaking about food, Andrea, you grew up in Peru. And Peru is considered, as far as I'm concerned, the gastronomic capital of Latin America. So what's a Peruvian dish everyone should try? I'm going to say, Anna, that's a very hard question for me. <laughs> I, I grew up loving uh, Peruvian food, spe specifically and my grandmother. She cooks amazing, and it's one of the things that I most uh, uh, like miss from, from my home. Uh, I'm going to... I have too many favorite dishes, but I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna say the one that I asked my, my grandma to cook with me when I the last time I went to Peru. It's called ají de gallina. 
Uh, it is, I don't know how even to explain it. It is like chicken um, with a, a, a sauce that has different spices from Peru, for example, ají, uh, and you always accompany it with a lot of carbs, so rice and a potato and an egg. And it's just one of the best things that I've ever had in my life. So you're saying we need to find your grandma. Yes, <laughs> basically. <totally for> <laughs> we have something similar in Brazil, which is galinhada, and it's uh, chicken with rice and corn and like special sauce. But we don't put the egg because you know it's kind of weird to cook the mom with the with the egg. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It must be delicious. And what about you? What's a food that you recommend from Latin America? A dish or dessert? It could also be a drink. Well, it was also a hard question for me. Um, I'd say um, lomo saltado. That's amazing. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I have also read this question, and when I first think about a Peruvian dish, I would say lomo saltado, because I grew up in China, and I really have a Chinese stomachs and Chinese taste, and that mm -hmm. one really fits me. Yes. Yeah. What is lomo saltado? It's like sauce, fried beef, yeah. yeah, pretty much like stirred beef. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so I have to go to Peru. Yes. Right? That's so nice. Same goes for you in Brazil. Uh, but I definitely need to travel more in Latin America. Yeah, I think we are more countries. You've traveled way more than I have, and you're not even from Latin America. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I've only been to Argentina and Uruguay, which is a shame. In my defense, Brazil is a really big country, so I had to start knowing my own country. Uh, okay, so speaking of recommendations, I would like you guys to recommend something to watch, something to read, and something to listen from Latin America. Oh my, this is as well a hard question. I might start with something to listen. Um, one of my favorite artists is called Natalia Lafourcade. She's a Mexican singer, and I would say artist overall. Uh, she utilizes folklore music, Mexican folklore music, and creates just such harmonious and, and beautiful uh, works of art. And she uh, she's a great activist as well for, for women. And we know Latin America has a great issue of, on gender-based violence, and she has a lot of songs and a, a circle of women that that uh, really highlight uh, the continuous fight that we have had uh, as, uh, as, as a region, I feel. So she's basically one of my favorite artists within my country. Something to watch, I would say uh, Roma. It is a Mexican <gasps> movie I love well. that movie. Yes, it is a great movie. I, I actually um, analyzed that movie for, for a geography course about gender. And uh, it is a great movie to understand uh, for example, classism, uh, different inequalities within social class, uh, race, as well uh, rural to urban migration, and the different, as well, gender-based violence that the women, specifically indigenous women, suffer in Mexico. And it is a great use of, of different elements, such as water, to resemble those inequalities. And that's why I love the movie. So, something to read, 
oh my god, I wish I, I read more, to be honest. I, I don't yeah. really have one specific thing to recommend, uh, but uh, Yosas is a great author. <laughs> uh, and, and he, um, I think that any of, of his books that I've read, high school and even right now at university, are great recommendations to really get to know the societies in, in Latin America. Thank you so much. And I also relate to I wish I read more because all my reading is spent on course material. <laughs> but, you know, soon enough, I'll be graduating, I'll be reading the stack of books in my bedroom. And what about you? What do you recommend for us? Because um, I'm not originally from Latin America. So what I have listened or what I have uh, watched might be a little bit old school. For the Latin Americans. Not at all. What I would recommend for the music, because most Latin American music I, I listen are, are, are like DJ Balloon, and, and like the music from, from the nightclub. But if I would uh, recommend one, I would say uh, Chavera Vargas. It is a, a Costa Rican born Mexican thinker. And she's really, um, I would say, a national, a national symbol for Mexican music, right? Yeah. And uh, but if a specific, a specific song, I would say, "Cerito uh, Lindo." Yeah. I I I I heard it each time when I travel to Mexico. It's really a common one, right? And for the, uh, what to watch, um, I want to recommend Roma also, because I have also analyzed it in, in my Spanish course as Latin American film. Mm -hmm. And I also did uh, my research about the difference in cla between classes and the social conflict in Mexico during 1960s and, and 1970s. And uh, what to read? I would say uh, Juan Rufo and Pedro Paramo. I, 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 I prefer romantic stories uh, other than uh, some serious novels. So I would recommend Pedro Paramo and um, El amor en los tiempos del cólera. Oh, yeah. yeah. A love oh. in the time of the cholera, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd say that, that two novels is my, uh, my best. Great choices. Yeah. Excellent. And from what I can see, Roma is really the star of the show. <laughs> but those are also great, great books. I'm so excited to graduate and be able to read again. <laughs> Um, okay, final question. What's an organization you'd like to give some visibility to? It could be Latino-focused or not. And I actually wanted to ask Andrea about another organization she's a part of. It's called Vivir Sin Miedo. It's a feminist collective. And I was wondering what are the news with that? Yes, so a bit of a background story. Um, these organizations will be seeing me translate uh, to live with no wolf, more fear. Uh, this is kind of a feminist collective uh, that me and my roommates created 
in my living room uh, because we've, it was, I think, um, Women's International Day. And um, as Latin American women, all of my roommates are from Latin America, we were all seeing these huge demonstrations uh, against gender-based violence and uh, in solidarity of those women who have been murdered, disappeared, and continue to suffer any type of gender-based violence in our region. Well, here in Toronto, uh, nothing really happened. And we felt very silenced, we felt alone, and we felt that there need, had to be a space for immigrant Latin, uh, Latin American women to share what they bring from their own countries. So we, we decided to be ones, the ones making action. We created this collective, and we invited uh, students, Latin American students from all around Toronto to join us uh, to, to do a manifestation to perform um, in tu Camino, which is a performance made by, by Chilean activists and feminist activists that are kind of the leading uh, image of, of uh, these protests in Latin America and the world. And overall, it was a space where we wanted to, to be together, to join, create forces uh, for, for gender-based violence in Latin America. So we made one uh, demonstration, but we had so many comments that this is a space that is needed within our immigrant community and our Latino community. So we are hoping to continue to do this as much as we can. We have supported different organizations, such as the, the, Purse, the Purse Project at the university, talking about the, the, the sexual harassment and, and sexual violence policy within the university. And we hope to continue creating these demonstrations uh, along the year. We know in, in November, it's International Day Against Violence, uh, Against the Violence Against Women, so we, we hope to continue the performance there and just to create a space for whoever needs it. And understanding that feminism is more than uh, just uh, a, um, white women, but it is about intersectionality, different genders, mm -hmm. races, backgrounds, and ethnicity. So we also want to uh, highlight uh, the women and different people that have been leading um, just overall equality around the world. That's awesome. I'm very excited about the next performance. I hope I can join it because I haven't been able to so far. But I'm so proud Thank of you, you guys. You. Uh, for the listeners, I know Andrea's roommates as well. They're also my friends. So I'm always proud of my friends and I always want to shout out to them. Um, what about you, Boyan? Um, I would recommend um, Casa del Caribe is one of the organizations run by uh, a professor from our department, from Professor Garcia Dominguez. Uh, he's a, a Cuban um, a Cuban writer that uh, are now um, teaching in, in University of Toronto, and he run a, a organization to promote Cuban music, Cuban arts, and Cuban literature in, in Santiago de Cuba. Um, and he found an organization that um, leads students to such organization and to learn the local Cuban culture in his Casa del Caribe. And I thought, such opportunity, a really good chance to get know the local environment and culture. That's also really cool. I'll definitely look them up. I hadn't heard of them before, and it sounds so interesting. Um, 
I'm going to recommend Alucini Toronto because they do a really good job of promoting Latin American artists in Toronto, but also Canada in general. And finally, it's time for our game of chug, drink, or savor. Drink or savor. Today the options are TTC, the Toronto Transit Commission, Toronto Winter, which lasts about eight months if you're lucky, <laughs> and the 2 a.m. curfew that makes all the bars close at 2 a.m. regardless of the time of the year. I'll start with Andrea. Again, this is a very hard decision, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, I'm gonna chug the 2 a.m. curfew. Uh, I'm just not used to a bit of an early time. Uh, we, I always uh, laugh with my Latin American friends. Uh, back home, I, we usually go like to a club like at 12 or 1, and here things open at 9, 10. And so there's not a lot of time dancing and enjoying. So I would chug 2 a.m. curfew. I would drink the Toronto winter which I say I have not spent enough time in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> you say that now. And I would savor the TTC just because uh, there's no good public transport in Peru. And that's one of the things that just allows me to be a bit more independent and, and overall just go to places <laughs> that I need to. Yeah, honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with the TTC because a lot of my yeah. European friends say it's the worst public transit they've ever been to and I'm like you haven't traveled in Latin America have you <laughs> because honestly it's not that bad like it's pretty neat no. except when people attack you out of nowhere and when there are closures and when your bus doesn't come and it says it's gonna come but otherwise it's great yeah what about you how do you rank these options um I'll definitely chuck TTC yeah, you know, uh, oh yeah, China must have better. Yeah, I cannot imagine when I was in China that one bus may take forty hours to uh, for forty minutes to arrive, and it's really <laughs> impossible to, to to have in China. And also, I could every time I excuse my late to a TDC traffic, and uh, my friends would say it is a reasonable uh, excuse because they. Do not expect that taking TTC would make you on time sometimes. And yeah, also TTC costs like three yes. bucks something, right? And yeah. I thought it was expensive for me at least. It is. Yeah, because yeah. uh, in China it would take around um, fifty cents to take um, to take a subway everywhere oh around so the city. So jealous. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's amazing for me when I arrive in Toronto. And I would drink 2 a.m. curfew because uh, I'm not, uh, I, I did not drink, I do not drink a lot. So a 2 a.m. curfew does not influence me uh, that much. And I would savor Toronto winter because I grew up in North Asia. And yeah, oh. about six months are having snows all the time. So I feel home here in Toronto because of the snow and the cold weather. Oh, 
That must be so nice feeling at home when it's cold outside. I cannot relate. <laughs> I get so sad every time. But I'm so shocked about the the subway in China being 50 cents. Wow. We should go there. Yeah. You <laughs> should stop paying for TTC. Just kidding. Don't do that. It's a it's an offense. You get a fine. Um, but yeah, wow. <laughs> I want to visit China now. I already wanted to, but like, no, now I want it more because it's cheap to get around. <laughs> this is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for coming here today and joining me. Thank you. And having these very different drinks with me. Uh, for context, I'm drinking a blue blues verbena, verbena blues, verbena blues iced tea, which is it's good. It tastes like chai tea. Almost, which is redundant. I know chai means tea, but you know what I meant. And Andrea is having a smoothie with pineapple, mango, pineapple, mango, a lot of more things. That something I else, coconut other fruits, milk. coconut milk. Wow. And Boyuan is drinking coffee with milk. Yeah, coffee with milk. Yeah, and this is all from Almond Butterfly, which I'll recommend in the profile. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. <laughs>